Welcome to the Kinetic Enterprise, built to evolve, presented by Deloitte. Your host for the program is Bonnie D. Graham. This program will help set up your business for the future with topics centered on the four pillars of the Kinetic Enterprise. We'll focus on case studies and leading practices designed to move you to the next level. Now, here is Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome to the Kinetic Enterprise Built to Evolve, presented by Deloitte. I'm Bonnie D. Graham, and we have a very interesting topic for you today. Cybersecurity. There, I said it. Everybody just embrace that. We know what we're talking about. Cybersecurity remains a top priority in every industry. And it's a priority that is growing as cloud technologies become more essential to driving business operations, innovation, and value. You all know what we're talking about. Cloud technologies can come with inherent complexity. Just let that sink in. Exponential data growth, visibility needs, and control processes all can create a bigger target Uh with quotes around it, and compound challenges for cloud-related security. Increasingly, cyber must become a core component of your cloud migration to reliably support business value and give organizations like yours, our listening audience around the world, the confidence to evolve as your needs change. So today, we have a panel of cloud transformation specialists. We're going to ask them to share their insights on how to enable a cyber-first, and I'm putting quotes around that, a cyber-first approach that embeds security into your ongoing journal, journey of digital transformation. We, we're assuming you're somewhere in that journey while positioning your enterprise to evolve amid constant disruption. And it's now mid-2021 and we know what constant disruption means. So we're going to ask Mir Hussein and Elvian Novak at Deloitte, welcome to both of you, and Venki Rangashari at HPE for their take on our topic, the kinetic enterprise, cyber as the DNA of a cloud-enabled enterprise. Again, I'm Bonnie D. Graham. Bonnie in the house, happy to be here. And let's get started. Mir Hussein, we're happy to have you. I'm going to put you on speaker view, Mir, and I'm going to ask you to please take a few minutes, introduce yourself to our audience, tell them who you are, what you do, and Mir, what is your passion for our topic? And welcome. Thank you so much, Bonnie, and um, thank you for having me on the show. Uh, as you said, uh, Mir Hussain, I'm a Managing Director uh, at Deloitte uh, Cyber Risk Practice. And uh, I have spent the majority of my time in my career here at Deloitte uh, <clears throat> helping uh, global companies um, uh, go through business transformation programs enabled by ERP and cloud technologies over the last two decades. Uh, over, my, over my time here um, with my clients, uh, I found it extremely um, humbling and rewarding at the same time, um, helping them through their journeys as they evolve their businesses and adapt new technologies. And um, my, my, uh, in my role um, as um, serving an advisor to them, I have helped them navigate this complex and evolving journey of cybersecurity and compliance uh, regulations to, to not only um, uh, identify, but effectively mitigate the risk and build in this uh, scaling uh, uh, capabilities, which um, really enable their business transformation programs. I also lead our cloud security practice here in the firm. And the reason why I'm so passionate about about this topic is uh, we are clearly past this tipping point where um, Mm -hmm. companies have now uh, more and more adapted cloud technologies to evolve their uh, kinetic uh, enterprise. And um, with that, as you rightly uh, mentioned, there comes inherent uh, security and compliance risk, which uh, if not addressed upfront, really starts to, to create hindrance to, to the overarching uh, 
objective of the transformation. So that's what really excites me uh, to to talk about this topic and uh, and more importantly, just help our clients uh, and 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 my uh, the companies I work with to to transform it the way they want. Thank you very much, Mir. Pleasure to have you on. Good introduction. I'm glad you said you're excited about the topic. That's what we're looking for, a real conversation with real people. And another real person, I haven't spoken to this lady in a while. She was on shows with me a while ago. It's Elvia Novak. Elvia, welcome back. I'm going to put you on speaker view and please reintroduce yourself to our audience. And what is your passion for this topic as well? Thanks, Bonnie. Um, so similar to Amir, I'm actually in the same practice, um, and I've been with Deloitte for over 23 and a half years, and I have seen how cybersecurity has evolved over the many years. I've seen the risk um, change. I've seen, I've seen new risks come up, and as we think about this particular type, like in cybersecurity in the cloud, it's even more pressing today for organizations because organizations are so global in nature. And, you know, take just thinking of migrating to one ERP platform, right? Simple task, not a big deal. Um, but when you think about uh, bringing in all the countries that are involved, it becomes a really big deal and what they currently do today and how they do it today. And when you add the complexity of wanting to move to the cloud at the same time, it it increases your risk exponentially. And organizations need to factor in some of those risk considerations that Mir was mentioning, but also not lose sight of the talent aspect of that risk. And that's where I'm passionate. I'm passionate about all of the components related to compliance, but more importantly, the people, right? And how those people transform in the organization and adopt to the change, because as you know, change for most of us is very challenging. So making that a factor and uh, clear and present throughout the life cycle of the implementation and or uh, migration to the cloud is extremely important. Happy to be with you guys today. Thank you, Elvia. Interesting. You mentioned about global and the complexity. Com- companies used to say, oh, I'm just a local business. I don't know if that applies to anybody anymore. Even if you're just doing business on Main Street in whatever town, whatever city, you've got to have a supply chain that involves somebody somewhere coming from somewhere. So very interesting. And change management, interesting, yes, because any transformation involves the culture, the people, the processes, and everything. Thank you, Elvia. Welcome back. And let's go to Venki Rangachari. Venki, so happy to meet you. Looking forward to introducing you to our audience. I'm going to put you on speaker view. Tell us who you are, please. Yeah, hi. Um, my name is Venki Irangachari, and uh, I head up uh, IT and enterprise architecture at uh, HPE. Uh, you know, HPE is going through a large transformation, right? Our journey is edge to cloud and everything as a service. Uh, a couple of years ago, we started this journey of Pivoting to the cloud, moving to the cloud, you know, we are a core product company for enterprises and and all our products are moving to the cloud. My role at HPE in enterprise architecture is to connect the dots, right? We call it the five pillars of IT and and the business, right? The five pillars are business, applications, infrastructure, data or information, and information security. You can see that cyber, security is a horizontal, a common theme across these pieces. And, you know, the role of enterprise architecture is to help connect the dots among these five pillars and to the business. So as we pivot to the cloud, as we adopt the cloud, whether it be a hybrid cloud or a multi-cloud approach, right? I mean, cyber, you know, is top in mind, right? And to that effect, I feel that 
you know, there are three waves. I mean, the reason I'm passionate about this topic is I feel that there are three waves in cloud security, right? The first wave started, you know, a while ago, which where we called the infrastructure as a service, infrastructure pivoted to the cloud. The second wave, which almost kind of parallel would be applications migrations to the cloud. And the third wave, you know, as, you know, with the pandemic and people working remotely, people are now in the cloud, right? And so there's an, there's an increased adoption of cloud technologies and with the increased adoption of cloud technologies as a part of digital transformation, cybersecurity is, uh, is, is foremost in everybody's mind. And I think it's an, it calls for an int- interesting topic and uh, discussion. Thank you very much, Venki. Pleasure to meet you. Thank you for the thank you for the overview of the different the five stages. I appreciate that. I was interested that cybersecurity was the fifth pillar you mentioned. Very interesting. Is it? I'm wondering if there's a priority order there. I heard you. I think data was three or four, and then cybersecurity was fifth. So let's cover that later on in the show. But thank you very much. Thank you, everyone. Very interesting, and I appreciate your interest in and passion about the topic. Cybersecurity is such a vast topic today, and we all know that hacking and breaches are near and dear and undear to all of us. We just had a recent pipeline gasoline supplier hack in the United States that trickled down. And I remember seeing cars lined up for gas at gas stations. I'm in the Durham, North Carolina area. And a week ago, they were lined up outside of the gas. Every pump was taken and down the street. And even after the pipeline opened, there's still this sense of scarcity. So it does have this this ripple, the pervasive effect. Thank you all. Let's go to the part of the show where I've asked my guests to send me a quote from a movie or a TV character or a song. And they've all picked very interesting ones. Mir Hussein, we're going to start with yours. Mir has picked the title of the song, the theme song from Survivor, by Survivor, Rocky Three. The 19, I don't even know if I need to explain this. 1982 American sports drama film directed by, written by, and starring by Sylvester Stallone. And the theme, which is the quote here, Eye of the Tiger, of course, was written by Survivor and became a smash hit and received an Academy Award nomination for Best Original Song and blah, blah, blah. It it was a very popular song and we know why. So Eye of the Tiger. Mir, I'm putting you on speaker view. What does this have to do with our topic? Please help me out here. (laughs) Thank you, Bonnie. Um, and again, every time I hear this song, um, it gives me goosebumps. And the reason why I feel uh, so passionate about about this song as well as this topic is, uh, if you if you um, growing up myself as a kid, watching a Rocky go through the ups and downs of his of his career, and uh, and the song playing in the background, right? So what it reminds me of is this consistent. Um, uh, approach to training and being prepared for what life throws at you, never being complacent about things and always open to a challenge, right? And that's what we are facing here, right? As companies are adopting cloud, and as Benki rightly mentioned, there are so many flavors, deployment models, and so many challenges, right? So we cannot have a one-size-fits-all or a common approach to, to cloud security or a- approaching security in the cloud. So every time I, I, I work with a company or advice for a company, it's, it's a different problem. And uh, it, it just uh, reignites my energy um, um, to, to hear out uh, what they are going through, what is really important for them, 
because what is important for a global manufacturing company could be foundationally different than a global cosmetics company. I don't know why I came up with that, but uh, but uh, you could you could see the difference, right? So um, so that's why I'm I'm really passionate about uh, about uh, this song <laughs> and uh, and the topic as well because I think it it correlates. Thank you very much. We should have had the music, Mere Eye of the Tiger, right? Everybody, my drums are in the other room. I could go do the drums if somebody's willing to sing. I try not to sing on the radio. I don't want to lose listeners. Thank you, Mere. Wonderful quote. Appreciate that. And you tied it in so well. Elvia has picked an also very iconic. Elvia, with your permission, I want to read the scene. Is that okay? And this is from the movie Frankenstein, the 1931 science fiction original horror film, and they call it an American pre-code film. I'm not quite sure what that means. Maybe you can help me with it. Here's the scene. Colin Clive, the actor, plays Henry Frankenstein. Look, it's moving. It's, 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 it's alive. It's alive. It's moving. It's alive. It's alive. It's, it's alive. And Victor Moritz, I hope I'm doing this okay, Elvia. And Victor Moritz, played by John Bowles, says, Henry, in the name of God. And Henry Frankenstein says, oh, in the name of God, I know what it feels like to be God. And the note is that the words, it's alive, and that was the quote she sent me, are ranked number 49 in the American Film Institute's top 100 movie quotes in American cinema. I didn't know that. Elvia, it's alive. That's my new favorite two-word quote. Help me out here. What does this have to do with our topic? (laughs) So when I think about it, right, when we uh, had to come up with the quotes, and I always want to think about it in depth. And I thought about, as we think about organizations moving to the cloud, it's very easy to make assumptions that certain things are happening or being taken care of, right? So you have the cloud service provider, you may have the company that's helping you to migrate your information into the cloud. Then you're gonna have your people on your team that are going to be responsible for monitoring that service, right? So when you think about it, it's alive. It's like, it's not one and done. It's not, you know, um, my service provider is taking care of Uh, user access control and I as the organization am covered because that is happening. It's about making sure that we're all connected, that is all monitored, that everybody understands their roles and responsibilities as your information and your service is being handled in the cloud. So I like to think about it's alive, you know, it's not one and done, you have to nurture it, you have to build it, um, and you can't forget that it is in fact a live environment. What a great quote. Elvia, that's going to go in my top 10 of movie quotes on these shows. I appreciate it. It's alive. That's what we say when the show is alive, too. Thank you very much, Elvia. Very well done. Venki has picked another iconic quote. We've got such great quotes today. This is a quote that isn't quite the way it was said in real life. It was spoken originally by astronaut Jack Swigert. And the quote originally was, okay, Houston, we've had a problem here. But it was shortened for the movie Apollo 13. I was getting to 1995. The quote was shortened to, Houston, we have a problem. So first we've got Eye of the Tiger, then we've got It's Alive, and now we've got Houston, we've got a problem. These are all somehow, and and by the way, to our listeners, I don't believe my panelists got together in a room and said, okay, let's pick three quotes that are nice to be linked together and let's give Bonnie a real teaser. These were all done independently, and I love the way they just come together. Vanky, how'd you pick this one for our topic? Go ahead. 
Yeah, so, if, you know, this quote, I thought it was very relevant to the the world that we live in today. You know, if you look at the recent news with the gas pipeline or other cybersecurity hacks and attacks uh, out there, you know, with Apollo 13, what they dealt with was unknowns, right? I mean, they've never done this in the, in the past when a malfunction happened. How do you get the astronauts back to Earth? And you're dealing with uncertainty and unknowns in cyber world. I always say we have three unknowns, right? You know, so you have the known unknown, which means you know, you know, mm-hmm. what you're dealing with. And then you have the, uh, uh, sorry, you have the known known, which, which, which mm-hmm. you know, what you're dealing with. And then you have the known unknown where you know what you need to do to get prepared for the future. And then the unknown unknown where you don't know, right? And so, you know, when a, when a cyber attack happens, when a, uh, uh, when a data breach happens, you kind of have to deal with what you have, what situation you have, right? And I think that's why I thought that this code uh, is very apt for the times that we live in today. Very much so. And I wonder how many companies, when they get a breach or a problem with a hack, anything happens, they say, yeah, let's just quote the movie. Houston, we have a problem here. Uh, Probably a lot of them are. The other quote I think people are using is the one from Jaws. We're going to need a bigger boat. I think that's that's (laughs) very popular. And then the one from Top Gun, I feel the need, the need for speed. We got to solve this right, Mir? We got to solve this really, really fast. This is movie show day at Deloitte. Thank you very much. Okay, we're ready to take a really deep dive into the serious parts of our topic. And I've selected statement number two Mir Hussein sent me here's how it's going to work for our listeners in case you're new to the show it's going to work I will pick a statement from one of the panelists and read that statement if it's short I'll read the whole thing if it's long I'll read part of it I'll ask that person in this case Mir to unpack it expand it for about three minutes and then I'll ask each of the others to agree or disagree so to Elvia and Venki don't be afraid to disagree with Mir this, we're, we're just virtual here. Nobody can touch you. Okay, here we go. So the statement, the statement. we love contrarian views because it's thought leadership. We want to hear what you think, what's on your mind. How does this impact what you know as a specialist on this topic? So Mir says, cyber should be considered a core component of a cloud migration and an essential value driver that gives organizations the confidence to change at the speed of business while taking steps to put the appropriate controls and guardrails in place. There is a lot to unpack there. Mir, go ahead. Absolutely, Bonnie. Um, so where I want to start is um, we've all heard um, that uh, we are over this uh, tipping point of cloud, right? And while we have seen companies rapidly adopting cloud, uh, on, the con- on the contrast, one of the top concern for companies moving or adopting cloud still remains to be cybersecurity. Uh, and the reason uh, it is uh, it is uh, what it is is because um, people uh, because organizations still don't understand or assume the risk which are associated with adopting a cloud platform. Um, a lot of companies still have um, or assume that their uh, concept of securing the fortress or applying that old school. Uh, um, methodology of securing um, uh, assets, workloads, uh, people, devices will just work or extend or scale to the cloud. Uh, however, reality is that never works that way. So cloud presents its own inherent risk and complexity. And there are a lot of assumptions um, uh, companies or executives make uh, when, when discussing uh, or developing a business case for moving to the cloud. 
oftentimes while security is still top of mind, um, we haven't seen much adoption in terms of uh, considerations for security and compliance baked in right from the business case um, stages all the way to total total cost of adoption of a cloud platform to how it will work, right? And that's why I quoted this because it is extremely important that uh, companies take uh, ship security left concept when, uh, when developing their cloud migration or transformation strategies and then build in the security um, elements and their compliance regulatory elements as they go through the transformation. As an example, I'll make it real. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we all have heard about the evolving the complexity around um, global privacy regulations, like GDPR, CCPA, these are all relevant uh, uh, topics on whenever we, somebody talks about cloud migration. But uh, uh, what will really help companies is um, if they start considering, okay, what does it really mean for, for us as a company to handle European user data? Right. Mm-hmm. If the cloud provider's data center is located in North America, does it really comply uh, to the to the GDPR standard? These are complex topics when left uh, um, undiscussed or considered as right at the beginning or upfront of a transformation program could really cause an hindrance. So where I was going with all of this is uh, make sure you have uh, a, um, a robust cloud security strategy which is based or le- which leverages a leading um, security framework like the CSA or NIST, right? And then bake in these uh, um, elements, which will um, further develop the right elements or capabilities of security as you transform the company to adopting a cloud first strategy. Thank you very much, Mir. Very interesting. Let's go around the table. Elvia, you're sitting next to Mir virtually. So would you please comment? And I'm going to ask you to agree or disagree. Don't be afraid to disagree. Mira is a very nice person. I actually (laughs) agree, Bonnie. And I would go one step further to say that those global companies that that tend to acquire a lot of smaller companies, it even starts during the deal phase, right? Understanding that organization that you tend to acquire and how they're going to fit into your cloud platform as well. So Mir wants to start at the business case stage. I wanna start before you even buy the company um, and start it at the beginning. Very interesting. Let's go to Venki. Venki, join us, thoughts? Yeah, so I just want to, I mean, I agree with Mir. I just want to expand on mm-hmm. a little bit of what Mir said, right? Mir talked about the fortress, right? And that's how traditionally, uh, in, you know, security has been viewed that you enter the fortress and everything behind the fortress is secure, right? And, uh, you, know, you know, so there's a whole notion of uh, zero trust where, you know, you go into this trusted building fortress, if you will, and everything inside the building is then in a, in a, you know uh, trusted for for use for uh, access, uh, which is different from a cloud perspective, right? I mean, you all mean, mean nothing is in that fortress anymore. It's all in the cloud. You know whether you call it applications or infrastructure or you know uh, your your uh, uh, favorite uh, you know places that you need to go to right yeah, on the web, right? And so there's a need to 
validate, there's a need to, uh, you know, verify before, you know, you trust, which is kind of the opposite of what we did before the cloud, right? We always said, you know, here is a trusted, you can VPN. And once you VPN, hey, you're in a network, then, then, then you can go. I mean, let's, let's challenge us. What's the validity of a VPN today where everybody's going everywhere else, right? And one, the second point that Mir mentioned about privacy and, you know, uh, privacy regulations like GDPR, right? With the proliferation of cloud, companies, enterprises need to be aware when they are acquiring cloud products, they need to uh, uh, be aware of some of these privacy terms and regulations. I gave you a a simple example in my last, uh, last company, we had a new customer come on board and our customer success team said, hey, hey, customer, hey, Mr. Customer, I mean, this customer based in Europe, right? Mm-hmm. Hey, hey, Mr. Customer, welcome on board. And here's a backpack, right? Along with the backpack was a, re- was a receipt from a retail company. Immediately the customer said, did you share my contact with that retail company? Did you ask my permission? So, you know, it so happened to be a cloud application that did all the procurement, shipping, acquisition, but, you know, you got to be aware of that, right? I mean, you got to be aware of how we, which cloud application is sharing your personal information. So with cloud becomes an increased uh, need for awareness of privacy as well. Very interesting. And I remember, Venky, to your point, when GDPR was starting to reach its tentacles to companies. And the question is, for whom do you work or where your company, where do you do business? Are U.S.-based, but do you have any partners, any customers, any branches in other parts of the world in Europe where GDPR started? And we all worried about it. How is it going to affect us, this idea of privacy and the idea of the right? I think in Europe, it's called the right to be forgotten. Do you remember that one? You could write to be forgotten. Yep. And do you need to be removed from somebody's backpack receipt database? <laughs> and and they also the other phrase is the why shut the barn door? The horse is already out of the barn. Uh, <laughs> yes. And when you look for somebody online and they don't have a digital footprint anywhere, you think they're not even alive. But when they do, then there's a private. I'm getting off on a tangent here, but thank you, Mir. This was a great conversation starter. Anything you'd like to say back to Elvia and to Venky? Oh, I, I agree with uh, all the uh, uh, comments uh, from um, LV and Venki. One closing statement I'll make on this uh, on this uh, uh, topic is uh, um, a lot of times we also see that there are there are assumptions made um, when people adopt a cloud. For example, this uh, while we're talking on the privacy topic, uh, mm-hmm. um, there is oftentimes an assumption made: Hey, I'm adopting the cloud. The cloud platform is compliant, so I should be inherently compliant with GDPR. Well, that's not the case, right? So because the cloud the cloud service providers often provide you the platform and the capabilities and a framework to be compliant, you as an enterprise or a company always need to take these additional um, measures and, and enable those configurations, which will make you compliant, right? There's a huge difference between a cloud platform being compliant to GDPR and you as a company being compliant to GDPR. I just wanted to make sure it's clear to everybody. Thank you very much. Appreciate that. Again, thank you for the great conversation, Starter Mir. Elvia, I'm looking at your statement number two. Let's talk about talent, people, human beings, the biggest asset companies have. And your statement says talent 
risk increases as companies need to provide their information technology teams with the right knowledge and training to be able to provide oversight of the cloud services provider, as well as manage and monitor potential threats. And you say, as companies migrate to the cloud, which we're talking about, applications differ and understanding of the security models is critical. So let's talk about the talent aspect. Elvia, I'm going to put you on speaker view. Thanks, Bonnie. Um, when I think about talent, there's different components to it. And as Mir mentioned, right, um, the cloud service provider um, will give you a framework for you to be compliant, right? So that means that your team at, at your organization is ultimately responsible for that compliance, right? So um, I've seen the majority of the cloud um, migration projects be um, uh, as um, integrated with an ERP transformation project, right? So that means that your team at the same time, they're trying to learn the new ERP package. They're also learning that it's going to go into the cloud and in most cases through, through a service provider and not on-premise, right? So that means that I have a lot to learn, right? And it's in, I, in most cases, I've been in my job for a really long time and I don't really like change, right? I find that it's human nature that we're not really that, that uh, receptive to change. So that means that I need to manage that process effectively. And then you compound with that and understanding what our different roles and responsibilities start, uh, start and end. So as my cloud service provider, where do you stop? And I, as the organization begin, I find that the, there's so much confusion related to those services and understanding by the people that are going to be executing them, that it's extremely important that we not lose sight of our people. So what do you want them to do during the transformation and post-transformation, right? What are the roles and responsibilities? And making those clear, I, I've had a recent conversation where um, that it was said to me, it's like, I don't understand where you stop and I begin or vice versa. So, and of course, you know, my response was, well, there's a chart. And I thought we went through the roles and responsibilities, but when in that conversation, what I found was that his team was confused, right? The, the CISO made tur uh, understands what we're doing and what we're trying to achieve, but it's his direct reports that are ultimately going to be responsible for this transition and this eventual new way of doing things, right? And understanding those. And then you compound for the facts that the way my application works, let's say I'm using Ariba and the way another company uses not the same, right? So making sure that they're not going to change the way I as the or organization am doing things through my applications because it's a common platform at the end of the right at the end of the day, right? It's common infrastructure. So making sure to, to Mir's point, those configurations that I selected are going to be extremely important in me being able to monitor them to make sure they don't change without my approval or my um, knowledge, right? Um, and then building the capabilities within my teams to be able to manage that cloud service provider as we go through our day-to-day -day operations. Thank you very much, Elvia. Let's go around the table. Venki, you're sitting virtually next to Elvia. Go ahead. Yeah, so I think there are, there are two pieces to it. Uh, one is the core cyber skills that are required to set standards, identify what should process do I follow, right? And a lot of companies tend to have the cyber skills needed to adhere to standards. But then there's a whole different skill, which is the gap I see is how do, who applies these standards, right? I mean, a lot of times a cyber person might not be the best person to apply the standards. 
let me explain, right? You know, you have an application that is changing and then, you know, say you have a ransomware that's packed in the application and you have the application teams that is doing a release or a change, right? That application team isn't is in the best position to secure that application. N- not essentially the cyber team that defined how an application should work, right? And that is a gap that, you know, in a lot of companies we call now call as DevSecOps. It's a cultural shift, right? You want to have application teams who are closest to the application who can provide the highest impact, uh, be responsible for ensuring that the application adheres to security standards, adheres to best practices. And I think that is an area which I think where there is a dearth of skill set as well, right? And so you traditionally find a lot of cyber skill sets in people who are knowledgeable about infrastructure and cyber policies and what can go wrong and standards, NIST and other standards. But how do you take those and apply it to my code? That is the chasm that I think where a lot of these recent attacks have been exploited. Thank you very much. Good insights. Mr. Mir Hussein, you're up. You're the sitting next to Venki, next to Alvia. <laughs> Go ahead. What are your thoughts, Mir? I mean, uh, talent is such a, such a big topic and, uh, and a lot of cases a concern uh, on how to maintain and keep up with uh, um, uh, with the changing technology for a lot of companies. I'm just going to take a slightly different spin to this. Uh, and the way um, companies um, might want to approach the topic of talent is uh, keeping that cloud f- framework in mind, right? Because one of the one of the shifts which has happened here is, unlike the traditional enterprise, when you talk about uh, taking a cloud-first approach or you start adopting cloud in, in, across the enterprise, the way you view talent cannot be the same. There are, there are certain core functions uh, which the cloud uh, service provider would can provide, um, are the best, in a best position to provide those services and can continue providing those services. So when we look at talent, we have to start getting comfortable around, we don't need to start training our our core group of professionals within our companies to learn everything on the cloud, right? There are certain functions which the cloud service provider can provide and should be providing, and we should start getting comfortable with that. Then comes, what can we now automate? Because uh, there is always gonna be a shortage of talent and you know, there, will not, there will never be enough people. So how can we be more smarter around training our professionals, getting them up to speed and leveraging automation and, uh, and uh, uh, RPA technology, AI technology to automate some of the routine tasks and then really focus our talent around topics like threat hunting, for example, right? So with all these recent cyber attacks, so um, one, of, one of the reasons which could be pointed back was the lack of uh, a speed of uh, reaction or time to detect that, uh, that anomaly uh, in, in our networks. And that's because... Uh, we are not getting uh, as sophisticated as we can be in threat hunting. So that might be an area where you really want to develop your talent, right? So, so that's that's my take on this. And really looking at talent at three separate pools and say, hey, what can the service provider can provide? What can we automate? And then where can we really focus on the human element and, and, and uh, mature our workforce? Thank you very much. Elvia, what a great topic you provided. Anything you'd like to say back to the gentleman? 
I think I agree with everything that was said. And, and to Mir's point, I do believe that it needs to be part of our approach to do a capability assessment in terms of what are our core competencies as an organization, what's going to be provided by the cloud service provider. And to Mir's point, how are we going to move our talent, right? Either to learn new things and or uh, automation and or develop new capabilities um, that are more value added to the organization. Thank you very much. Appreciate that, Elvia, and also Tamir and Venki. This is an exciting panel. You're all so articulate and engaged in the topic, and I appreciate that. We have to bring these topics to life so that people take them seriously and understand the nuances and the insights you're all sharing. Speaking of that, Venki, I'm going to your statement number one. This is a very, um, I'll say, provocative statement. Okay, I put it in the chat for you. A cyber, Listen, everybody. He says, a cyber attack is not treated at the same level of criticality and importance as a military attack on the country because of the lack of preparedness, inadequate, inadequate proactive response, and lack of understanding of the enemy. Menke, talk to me. Yeah, so, you know, uh, I'm just, you know, cyber, cyber warfare is common today, right? And I think we see a lot of instances of cyber warfare. These are, these are uh, countries, these are uh, different continents, different uh, you know, groups that are targeting, you know, uh, uh, countries today. And if you look at a traditional warfare, you know, we have budgets, we prepare, you know, whether it be military or, you know, air force or anti-missile systems or preparedness budgets, we do all those things. But when we have a cyber attack, you know, our our response is weak. You know, we uh, we rely on policies that are outdated. We rely on uh, you know uh, a uh, lack of funding for for corporations. Uh, so so in 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 my opinion, I think the uh, cyber warfare should be considered on par with uh, with uh, a a military attack on the country. Another piece, right? I mean, traditionally, when you talk about war and and an attack, you're talking about people, right? In the cyber world, it's not humans that are going against humans. It is machines that are going against humans. So I think when you deal with cyber war, you're dealing with a more sophisticated actor where you're dealing with machines and that requires a different type of response in terms of automation, in terms of uh, artificial intelligence, being proactive in how you deal with the threats that are going on. So I think that's that's why I think we uh, just just as we prepare for, for defending you know our nation against uh, real military threats, cyber uh, you know warfare is also real, and we need to treat it with the same level of importance. Thank you very much. Let's go around the table. Mir, you're sitting next to Mr. Venki Rangachari. Go ahead. Mir, what do you think? No, I, I, I agree with, with Venki. And one of, the, uh, one of the things which Venki mentioned uh, is particularly important is around the, the proportion of budgets which, uh, which is allocated to cybersecurity. Just given the importance, doesn't justify it, right? And, and in my opinion, one of the reasons uh, could be pointing back to the information security uh, leadership teams or the CISOs uh, or the executives who are presenting uh, the value the cybersecurity um, aspect uh, can provide to the company. And it's hard, right? Because unlike uh, 
unlike the business uh, business case uh, which usually gets presented uh, to a board say for example an erp transformation uh, could be very different from a business case of hey why should you spend say 15% of your budget on cybersecurity right because uh, it's um, it's uh, in in today's day and age it's just a matter of when this attack will happen but i think the more important aspect is how can you proactively as a company invest in cyber capabilities so that when the event does happen you have enough resiliency in your enterprise to respond back and restore normal operations as soon as possible because if you don't then the implications could be could be very uh, very harmful right uh, or devastating to to your business so um, one way to secure um, the the budgets which uh, uh, are truly needed to build that world class cyber capability is present the business gifts for cyber in a way which directly resonates with the board and in plain business terms like if if you do this here is how you are going to enable um, security for your b2b or your uh, business to business uh, model or everything as a service model uh, we are trying to achieve as a company right in that way you can directly uh, correlate the cyber investments back to the uh, business objectives. That's that's the one thing I will add. Thank you very much, Elvia. Join us. Thoughts? Uh, I agree with everything that was just said. Um, you know, I think as the organization thinks about the risk um, and the threats, right, the downstream effects of these organizations on the overall population. So, Bonnie, you mentioned the uh, pipeline issue that. Uh, we recently had, and we're ser- we're still dealing with the effects of that particular attack. So, you know, it could potentially be pretty significant, and it's extremely important for organizations, to Mir's point, to not try to find that tangible element. It's it's an element of protection, right? And you do need to invest in that protection because you don't know if or when it will happen, but at the end of the day, most companies at some point will be vulnerable, right? Because as soon as you figure out how to, um, you know, react to a breach, a new one pops up. So there, it's a constant, it's, it's, I think it's its own company, right? All these act threat actors that are out there and organizations that are focused on trying to penetrate all these other organizations. Um, and I think everybody needs to recognize the downstream effect that it has on the overall population and make it more of a priority and an investment. Thank you very much. Priority and investment, very true words. Venki, this was your topic. Any thoughts back to Mir and or Elvia? Venki? I agree with uh, I agree with both of them. Just as a, a point in case an example, right? I think mm-hmm. uh, you know we we saw the pipeline you know attack recently. I think the the recent news articles that post that attack now the IT budgets are now increased by fifty percent. They should have been there before, right? I mean, yeah. mean you know this is reactive, right? I give you another example of not just budgets but resources. Uh, if you talk to a federal law enforcement agency, they would say that. We deal with cyber crime beyond a certain dollar value. If it's below a certain dollar value, we don't have the resources to deal deal with it. Imagine your local law enforcement saying, "Hey, we can't deal with petty thefts." You know, you know, there's a mass murder case. You know, yeah, I mean, we'll have our guys, but we can't deal with the petty thefts, right? So, I think uh, cyber uh, uh, cyber security lacks resources, both in terms of people and money, right? 
Interesting. The prioritization always an issue, right? Um, squeaky wheel get squeak, the squeaky wheel gets the grease. We all know that one, right? Yes. And and the other one, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Well, what's broke today? Yes, Elvie is nodding. We have time for another topic. Mir, I'm looking at your number four. This may be our final topic. We've got about 10 minutes left. This sounds interesting to me. You say secure the fortress approach is not enough. Securing the cloud-enabled enterprise requires a modern, adaptive security approach built on principles like zero trust. I'm going to stop there. There's a lot more to unpack. Mir, go ahead, please. Absolutely. I think it builds on what we have already started discussing, right? Mm -hmm. uh, one, of the, one of the problems um, we have as security professionals is there are so many tools and so many point-in-time solutions, and there is always this one thing a particular platform or two, a tool does best, right? But uh, when, when a breach actually happens, one vector which is, um, which is really key is time to detect, right? And as we've recently seen in our, the high-profile ransomware cases or, or the solar winds breach which happened, right, which also was a shake uh, to the whole industry, the time, it was, what, what took me by surprise was till the amount of time it took for experts to even detect what was happening, right? And um, one approach to reducing that time to detect was relying, is to start relying on smarter tools and processes and be more proactive. As an example, right? We talk, I talked about threat hunting then, but how do you take, take threat hunting to the next level, right? Make, the next level is starting to leverage AI and ML um, uh, to build in proactive or predictive capabilities of, okay, if I'm starting to see these two or three events in my network, maybe this is where uh, the network or the particular segment is really exposed and I need to start doing remediation. How do you take remediation to the next level? By auto-remediation, right? So there are now tools available in the market which start to um, just monitor your baseline configurations uh, in your cloud platform, which by the way, um, if you look at uh, all the stats, um, most of the breaches actually can be pointed to misconfigurations in cloud security, which is a really low-hanging fruit, and it's unfortunate, right? Uh, we still continue to see that. So uh, deploying these tools which can keep your baselines to, to the standards, right, or adhere to the standards, and then when the anomaly occurs, instead of then alerting somebody in the middle of the night, you just go and start automating, remediating it. Right, and that's how you can shrink that time to detect, and uh, and that's why I I, I selected this uh, this particular topic for us. Right, so it's 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 interesting in how companies are shifting uh, in their solutioning. Thank you, Mir Elvia. Let's get your take on this. Thoughts? Secure the fortress. Is that enough, Elvia? Uh, I agree with what um, Mir just said because at the end of the day, there is no one size fits all. There's not one tool out there that's going to capture all the potential risks or threats that exist. So it's really unlocking that backpack, as you guys mentioned, and creating that tool set capability that allows you to do what Mir just said, right? And then advancing to the next stage in automation and trying to um, remediate as it occurs. Um, the problem that and the challenge that we'll have is that we can do that for everything that is known. What about the unknown? How do we create that AI to start now doing that predictive analytics that say, if I have these 10 elements, 
but um, I have eight of the 10, then therefore the next two or three are going to be X, Y, and Z. And try to do that as well, because I don't think we will ever catch up. I think we were always going to be um, reacting and adapting as we go. And I think it's going to be important to try to, to at least stay ahead of the curve, right? And stay in front of the attacks as to always being behind them. There's the challenge, isn't it, Elvia? We talk about talent and the companies were trying to help protect themselves. And the the attackers, they have their own talent pools, don't they? They have incentives. They have priorities. Okay, let's get the best of the best. Let's go out and attack companies, pipelines, banking systems, education, healthcare systems. We're going to get the best. We're going to get the finest. And we're just going to keep attacking and see who gets to be proactive. So if you think about it, there's another set of change management. There's another set of talent protocols. There's another set of secure the fortress, Mir. It's we're hackers. We have to secure the fortress and keep our keep our priorities. We have to keep for the people who pay us. We have to keep our own agenda going while the good guys and the good girls are trying to keep us from infiltrating. I'm sorry. I just it just occurred to me that there's two sides to this. Venky, help me out here. Go ahead. Talk <laughs> about that last thought, Venky. Yeah, I agree with uh, both Mir and Oviark uh, in their viewpoints, and I think uh, you know. If you look at cloud today, you know, cloud infrastructure is a code, right? As Mir talked about uh, configurations, which are most common uh, common exploited vulnerabilities, right? And, and these can be fixed. It's important to, you know, why is it not fixed though? You know, I mean, the question needs to be asked is if this is that easy to fix, you know, why is it not yet fixed? And I think when you translate infrastructure to a code and these application teams that are writing this infrastructure, spinning up these infrastructure in the public cloud or private cloud or, you know, uh, hybrid cloud, you know, uh, these code, these application teams and code needs to be, they need to be empowered and they need to be, adopting DevSecOps practice, right? And I think that's the that's where some of these have been uh, uh, have been exploited. And there's other quandary, right? I mean, there's no right answer to this. Do you do you pick a best of breed tool set or do you pick an end-to-end, right? I mean, I always say, and people come to me and sort of say, I, I pick the best of breed. And I'll say, if you if you get attacked, you know, how fast you respond to an attack is how you can stitch the evidence, right? Yep. If you if you pick a tool set that's totally disparate, that the tools can't talk to each other, you know, or your you know your operations, your security operations teams can't stitch these logs or evidences together, then you're not achieving your end goal of protecting yourself, right? And so there is no right answer to this. You got to just pick the right uh, r- right uh, paradigm that fits your enterprise. But I think there's an interesting thing to think about is how far do you want to go into proliferation of tool sets as opposed to looking at my end goal is to help stitch that evidence together to automate and orchestrate so I can respond to attacks faster, right? And I think those were the two two pieces that, um, uh, that, that Mir mentioned and LV also collaborated on. 
Thank you very much. Very good. Mir, instead of asking you to respond to them, I'm going to give you 60 seconds for your prediction. Where are we going with this? If we met again, let's predict one year from now, May, mid-May 2022, if you dare to go that far ahead, be that (laughs) proactive, what would we be talking about? Will we still be talking about cyber as part of the DNA of the Kinetic Enterprise? Will it be any better? Will they be more sophisticated and proactive? Will the companies you and Venki and Elvi are talking about be more sophisticated and proactive? So what do you think? Uh, Mir, I give you 60 seconds. Elvia, get ready. And then Venki, and then we're going to say it's a wrap. Go ahead, Mir. Oh, wow. I mean, 12 months in today's day and age is a, is a tough ask. But um, if, it, if it were to me, um, I would really like our industry to start uh, shifting towards where we can start talking about how cyber starts adding value to, to the bottom line instead of... Uh, just focusing on why security remains a top concern. If we as a society can make that move or shift in the, maybe not in the 12 months, but in a year or a couple of years from now and shift that uh, that thinking around, here are all the things how cyber is changing uh, society. Here's all the things how cyber is uh, is enabling an enterprise. Here's all the things why you mm-hmm. should adopt cloud because of cyber. I think that would be a really good place to be at. Thank you, Elvia Novak. 60 seconds, go. So, um, uh, you know, having been in this business for as long as I have been, I think my prediction is that um, to Venki's point earlier, that we need to have better, um, better, uh, oh, um, that's the word that I'm looking for. We need to be better at um, detecting and reacting and Mm -hmm. this warfare concept. I think that requires that, we elevate the role of the CISO to go directly into the board and be able to ask for these um, investments that are needed to keep the organization secure um, and to prevent attacks and to also demonstrate how they've uh, been able to not um, uh, be um, weakened by uh, a potential breach, right? That is already common and how they were able to protect it because of the protocols and the standards that were in place. So demonstrating that value directly to the board. Thank you, very interesting. Thank you, you get the final word, 60 seconds, go. Yeah, so so just to elaborate a little bit on actually what, what Elvia said, right? I think, you know, in the future, enterprises need to not just think about CISOs reporting to the board, but also think about the board structures, right? If you can have a comp committee, you can have an HR committee, you can have an audit committee, why not a cyber committee? How many board members are cyber uh, proficient, right? Uh, And also the other thing to go along is to embrace for uncertainty. If, Mm -hmm. if, uh, If boards want to look for always, you know, certain outcomes and where I can I can wrap my hands around, right? It's going to be difficult in cyber world. So I think the role of a CISO always goes into how to, uh, you know, for the board, how to embrace uncertain times. And I think, you know, uh, it's difficult to predict the world of cyber, but one thing that we can do to stay ahead or stay abreast is to ensure that you have sufficient automation, right? Be be proactive, apply artificial intelligence or augmented intelligence and ensure that 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 you're automating so that you know you can then focus your attention on on the highest exposure areas rather than trying to focus on everything, right? 
Thank you very much for the predictions. I think I caught some of you off guard. Great. What we learned is be proactive, fund it, prove the value, have the right people, have the right goals, have the right core competencies, think about automation, be prepared to secure the fortress and go beyond zero trust. And remember, the hackers are all trying to do the same thing on their business priorities. Let's just leave it at that. Thank you to a very interesting panel. I appreciate all the preparation you made. I appreciate all the thought you gave to this. You made it exciting and valuable to our listeners and to me. I learned a lot. A thank you shout out to Matt, our engineer at Voice America. Thank you, Matt. A shout out to Igosa Obakpalor, who has been supporting the show for many months now. Enjoyed working with him. Welcome to Hasmin Bolanas Flores, who's going to be working with me soon, coming up starting in June. Thank you to Helen Tomas at Deloitte for sponsoring this series. We're going to renew it soon for the second half of the year. And I just want to say the kinetic enterprise built to evolve. That's where you want to be. Bonnie D. Graham signing off. Everybody wave. Be smart. Be safe. Be savvy. Be healthy. We'll talk to you again soon. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the kinetic enterprise built to evolve presented by Deloitte. Be sure to join host Bonnie D. Graham next Friday at 6 a.m. Pacific Time and 9 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Deloitte can help you reimagine everything in order to get the most out of your SAP investments and position your business for tomorrow's demands. Learn more at Deloitte.com SAP. This program is copyright Deloitte Development, LLC. All rights reserved.